Has life taken an unexpected turn and you find yourself just wrestling with God? Maybe your marriage has been very disappointing and you don't know what to do next. We're going to talk about it today on The Bravehearted Woman. Hey, this is Don Damon, the Braveheart Mentor, and this is my podcast, The Bravehearted Woman. I'm here to raise the brave in you, so hit subscribe if you haven't done so. That way you'll never miss another episode. You ready? Let's get brave. Hey, beautiful, brave-hearted women, it's your girl, Dawn Damon, and you know that every now and then I like to bring a special guest on just to give you some hope, some empowerment, let you hear a testimony, you will figure out that you are not alone, and today I have an amazing guest. My guest is an international speaker, a podcaster, she's the host of the Liftable TV Network, sounds like something we could all use. She has a show called Moms Like Us Do Things Like This, and after 25 years of coaching moms, she has founded Moms Like Us Academy. It's a trusted online space where moms just like you, just like me, we learn skills, strategies, systems. We get monthly reports. She helps us crush it at motherhood instead of motherhood crushing us. Can I get a witness? And all from a Christian viewpoint. Her famous motto is motherhood isn't a natural talent. It's a skill and you can learn it. When she's not in Nashville or Austin or getting coffee with a mom, you can find her smiling in a golf cart, flowers in the cup holder, golfing with her man, Warren. Would you please welcome to the brave-hearted woman, Mona Corwin. Hey, Mona. And how are you? I'm good. So how are you? you? We're excited just to have a chat with you today. I have my coffee and we just talk about things about brave hearted women, like things doing courageous things, brave things, countercultural things, things that take grit and tenacity and resilience. I imagine you know a few things about that, but first, just tell us a little bit about you. Well, first, I want to thank you for what you do. Dawn, helping women see that they are brave in who they are mm-hmm. as God has created them and for purpose and for destiny and legacy. Yes. This is really awesome what you do. So thank you for helping women really see the true brave woman that God created them to be and what that looks like. Like you said, I am an author and a speaker, but before all of that, I was a mom with five kids and I wanted to have a prayer group in my house because we were going to pray for our kids at school. And I thought, oh, this is really good. Well, this particular organization said you can't have food and you can't do like any devotional or anything. And I'm like, boring. And you can't have the kids in the house. I'm like, what woman can do any of those things? (laughs) So I didn't do their group. And we started our own and we stayed together for a really long time. But during that time, my hunger for God's word continued to grow. And he started teaching me things about being a woman and being a mom. And so now that I'm older, well, I started mentoring moms about that time too, because there was always a mom younger than me. And there's always a mom younger than you. So that's what I do. And I love what I do. Yes. Well, you have to love it. You've been doing it for 25 years. 
And I don't think that there's ever been a time where it's more needed than right now. And perhaps every generation says that, but we have a lot of mixed messages about what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a mom, what it means to have a solid identity. How did you become comfortable with your identity and who you are called to be? Well, I always wanted to be a mom. I always wanted to be a wife. I married my high school sweetheart. So I was thinking about it then. And it stuck. You're still together. Yeah, we are. We've been married for over 40 years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I still, when I hear his car, I mean, I know that sounds really silly, but when I hear his car pull in, I get excited that he's home. Developing a marriage is one thing and being a mom is kind of another thing. And sometimes we can take those two pieces of our identity and they kind of get switched. And it doesn't take a lot of straightening out or refocusing or just a good hug from a woman who's been there and done that for moms to just take a deep breath and say, you know what, I can do this. This is what I've learned. And now I'm going to try to do it. And I think that's kind of how I did my whole life all along. If there was something that we had planned, we always had plan B. If there was something that we were going through, we always had another option. We didn't just think this is the way it's got to be. It can't be another way. We looked at life as an adventure in my kitchen. This is my kitchen. Welcome to my kitchen. There's a big picture board. And at the top, it says the great adventure. Because that's what life is. That's wonderful. Yeah. I love that. And I also want to hear more about this switch that you're talking about. I think that sounds like you and your husband, Warren, really partnered together to see life as an adventure. It's not a sentence to live out like your cellmates. It's sounded like you were soulmates. <laughs> you, you work together. What would you say to the woman that's in a marriage that I think, you know, even though my audience is, you know, 40 and older, I find that there are many young women that are listening because they want that mentoring. And there are women in their 30s and 40s, but they're considering jumping out of a marriage because it's tough, because they don't feel like they have a partner. How did you make 40 years? Is that still doable today? Absolutely, it's doable. And of course, it is way more than we can talk about today. But I'll tell you what my man says when someone says, how have you been married for 40 years? And he tells them, he looks at me and smiles because I know what he's going to say. And he says, we try to outserve each other. Right now, I'm winning. <laughs> uh... And so that's kind of a joke. But it is absolutely the truth. The because Warren and I were, we grew up together. We were used to allowing one another to change. We were used to allowing one another to grow. And we were used to talking to one another. And we had grown up together. So when we were 20 and or 23, and he was getting ready to go and, and work in the big world. And I was still like figuring out what I even wanted to be. We were kind of on two different tracks, but because we were used to watching other grow, we helped each other every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's lots of foundational things that can be taught about marriage. Like marriage is a, not a contract. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. And what does that mean? A covenant is worth fighting for until you just can't fight anymore. Does that mean no one ever gets divorced? No, that's not what it means. 
but it means there's things that we can do. Our culture is under such attack from the enemy of our soul. And because it's under attack, it's hitting. Like we don't say it's under attack and it's hitting our roof. Girl, it's hitting your heart. It's hitting your dinner time. It's hitting your work time. It's hitting your making love time. Yeah. And he is landing and he is gaining victory. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when a marriage isn't really good, it can be s- several different things. But I'll tell you what it was for me when Warren and I struggled. Yes. We we're early married. We had one, I guess we were 23, 24, done matter. I was so frustrated with him because I felt like he wasn't really talking to me anymore. And I didn't understand why he wasn't talking to me. And I wanted him to lead our family biblically because I had just started studying my Bible and I was just all in it. And I was super excited and I want to talk about it. But he did not love God, but he didn't want to talk about it all the time. Well, anyways, all this to say, I had a mentor and she told me, you need to bring out the man in your man. Mm. He's still a boy. And I'm like, he's not a boy. He's out. He's working. Look, look what he's doing. And she, she said, out there he is in here. He's not. And I saw that I was still treating him like a boy, but not only that, I was controlling him like a 17 year old, like a 17 year old girl that wanted her way, that wanted to make sure that he did this and he did that. You know how girls are, but I was a full grown woman and I had a baby, but I was still using my ability to get him to do what I want instead of allowing him to be the man that he was. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't let him lead because I was leading and figuring out what that looked like in a partnership that was buddies was a little bit hard. And so I had to kind of learn what I was doing. And Dawn, this is not for everybody, please understand, but it was for me. I was controlling. I was manipulating. I knew what I wanted. I could get it because all that man wanted to do was to see me smile Mm -hmm. every man every man hard marriage not hard marriage he wants to see his wife smile and know that he's the reason she's smiling yeah I agree with that and so when trouble happens she may quit smiling it's when you've got to figure then you go in and figure more stuff out Mm -hmm. But you see what happened for me? And I did little things. She said, just do this one thing, okay? I'm like, okay. When he says, where do you want to go to dinner? And you say, I don't care. Or he says, I don't care. Then don't press him. He really doesn't care. He wants you to pick it because he wants you to be happy. I'm like, oh, hmm. Allowing him to let his yes be yes and his no be no. We talk about boundaries, but like boundaries are good too, because you don't want to press into someone's, I said, I don't care. Right. Another thing I did when we would go to church or we would go anywhere, I kept my mouth shut in the car. I didn't tell him to go this way or that way. One time I had to be driving because he had had some surgery and I got in the car and I thought, okay, I'm going to remember what mom Barb told me. And I sat down in the car and I just looked over at him and I said, babe, which way would you like me to go? Now, I knew which way to go. I knew five different ways to go, but I wanted to know what way he wanted to go because I wanted him to feel like 
he was a man and he was still in charge of driving, even though he felt really weak and not like a man because he had had surgery. So it's those little things that boost the masculinity and boost the femininity that creates that wonderfulness that God intended for us to have. Well, and that's so powerful because that's how you make it 40 years. It isn't that you acquiesce, that you don't have a brain or that you don't have decision-making power. And there is a season when you will use that. Well, not even just a season. You need it all the time. We flow in that together. But this is the most important relationship that we have. And yet it seems like we work harder on work relationships and friendships and who we want to become. And then we get home and we forget all of our skills and we're not kind, or maybe we're rude, or maybe we're short with one another. And then we're curious, like, why this relationship isn't working. So what I'm hearing you say is to use the skills to understand your mate, understand your husband in this case, or if a man happens to be listening to this, understand your wife, understand what makes them tick and minister to that, elevate that, understand that and work together as a team instead of trying to fix or manipulate or change them, uh, which we know that doesn't work. That's an illusion. Control is an illusion. We don't have any control. And you really come into freedom when you learn how to just surrender that, let that go. And you're right. Let the boy come to rest and the man emerge as the man is an important thing. You'll like it him a lot better. <laughs> yeah, like right? And it isn't, I know all, uh, the whole audience is going, oh, she's talking about submission. Now we can talk about submission another time, but it's not exactly what the world has made it out to be so awful. I don't know if you kind of figured it out yet. I'm a strong person. I'm a very brave person. I'm a very presence when I'm in a room and my man is kind of quiet. So figuring out your man, figuring out your wife, is the most important thing you can do to have a marriage that not only lasts, but it's fun. That's fun. And I promise you, it, you will continue. I'm still seeing things in him. I'm like, the culture will tell us that there's no difference between men and women. That's not true. We're mm -hmm. just going to say it flat out. It's mm -hmm. not true. You know, Dawn, I love this that I learned when I was studying authentic womanhood and biblical womanhood. When God created Adam and Eve, right? Yep. In Genesis, we're right there at the beginning. He said, let us make man in our own image. And that means in the image of God. That is our identity. That is what the word tells us. And we believe the word. In all the things he could use to describe us, they're going to be a speaking thing like me and Jesus and Holy Spirit. It's mm -hmm. going to be like, yes, we're going to be, they're going to talk. They're going to love. They're going to have babies. They're going to do all this stuff. They're going to do airplanes. They're going to be smart. They're going to rule the world. Like he could have used anything to describe us. He used our gender. Mm. Let us make them male and female. Mm -hmm. That's how he described us. It is that important. In the study of the scriptures, there's something called the law of first mention. Yes. And when you go into the law of first mention, you go back to the first time it's mentioned, because that means it's really, really important there and figure out what that meant. So we're looking at male and female. God thought it was really important. And when you study it, it's like, oh, I get it. Men are supposed to be 
strong on the outside. And if they're good men, they're soft on the inside. And a woman is supposed to be soft on the outside because she is, mm -hmm. and she is supposed to be strong on the inside. Oh, we're the same. We're soft strength and they are strength that can be soft. Mm -hmm. How beautiful. And everything works like, I mean, even our bodies work that way. Mm -hmm. We hug and when we kiss and I mean, like everything works in harmony. And so, yeah, harmony is what we're looking for. That's and God, beautiful. God is the design. Oh, one more thing. Yes. Created us equally loved, equally valued, equally made in his image and equally with gifts and talents and strength that through us in our genders, we can reflect God to a hurting and dying world. Yes. And that is the true, we are equal. That's absolutely true. That's our identity. We're image bearers of God. I remember when I was studying it too, and I'm not going to be able to tell you right off the bat. I think it's, but God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And it's like, why did you use two different words? And when I was studying, I recognized that one of those nouns is a masculine noun and the other one is a feminine noun. And yes. I thought even in that, that was interesting. There's God said in our image, masculine in our likeness, feminine and together, you know, because when we we're complete all by ourselves, but we do complement when we come together, just like you said, wow, it just fits perfectly. Yes. And God knows, you know, my listeners know this, the wisdom of God cannot be replaced with the foolishness of the world. And so we just have to stay true north and continue. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have dis different expressions as women. Some women are very I would say maybe tender or softer and weak. And some women are strong and they're athletic and they're more, you know, aggressive, but it, that doesn't matter. We still are created in God's image and he's not confused about who we are and what we are. So we didn't need to get off kind of down all of that, but as a brave hearted woman, yeah. tell me a time when you had to be brave. I mean, there's probably many times and I know we're just talking off the cuff here today, but what about a time where you had to be brave? What about a time when you wanted to give into that softness or fear even maybe, or I give up, I'm done. Was there ever a time in your life? I, like I say I'm, I'm giving up and I'm done every time I open up my computer and try to plug half this stuff. <laughs> but no, of course, you know, I've lived a long life and with five kids, there could be plenty of times that you do. One of our favorite stories to talk about is the fact that we were infertile for seven years. Oh. And I want to tell you that I just hung on to the Lord and read my scriptures. And, you know, I was just, no, I was not. I was just learning about God and I was not happy with him. I was mad at him because I couldn't have a baby. Mm -hmm. And as we went through this whole infertile time, we had our first son, no problem. Then we said, okay, time to have another one. And because Mona was in control of things, she was going to do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I have it all planned. And so seven years of infertility. There wasn't a lot of doctors that were infertility doctors. They were literally, I had to go and sit in an office with women that were pregnant. And I was there twice a month 
one to find out that yes, I am actually ovulating and the next one to say, no, I'm sorry, there's no baby. And so it was like grieving with hope. So the infertility piece of our life and that journey was really difficult on me. It was very difficult on him because it was the first time in his life he couldn't give his girl what she wanted. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time in my life that I wasn't getting what I wanted. And so it was during that time that I met mom Barb. And during that time, I started really looking at what God does have for me. And I did in that seven years, of course, I grew tremendously and loved God and was relying on him. He used that for good. We didn't let it tear us apart. We literally, again, hunkered down as a team yeah. And we're kept looking for plan B and C and D and each month as it went. Well, as it would have, we adopted a little girl. Her name was Mallory and she was three days old when we got her. Mm -hmm. We were super excited. My husband was over the moon and tons of funny stories in this, this whole process, but he was over the moon with this little girl. About six months later, I was breastfeeding Mallory. Yes, I breastfed my adopted daughter because God gave me the desires of my heart, which is basically one of the scriptures that I did hold on to when it was closer to the end. At the beginning, I was still kind of mad at God. I learned to submit to God's adventure. Well said. I was breastfeeding my daughter. All of a sudden, my husband came out of the bathroom and he said, I want you to come and pee in this cup. And I'm like, what are you doing? He said, yesterday, I bought a pregnancy test. I think you're pregnant. I'm like, I'm nursing a baby that is six months old. We haven't had a baby in seven years. We have no maternity insurance and I'm not pregnant. I would know if I'm pregnant, honey. And he said, I want you to come in here and pee in this cup. So I said, all right, lay the baby down on the bed, peed. He comes out and he goes, you are pregnant. Oh my goodness. What made him think that? Well, he always believed that I was getting pregnant and I was losing the baby which we still think that that's was a continuous thing that was happening. Because okay. no, sometimes there were like four eggs. I mean, who knows, who knows how many babies are going to be up there? Holy smokes. Oh. But I was pregnant and we got pregnant and had Max. So Max was our boy. When I was pregnant with Max, I was started leaking and they were concerned that I would lose him. He was about, I don't know how many weeks, but it was a little early. And I remember going to the doctor's office and he said, you're going to have the baby today. And I said, I'm not having this baby today. And he said, or maybe tomorrow. And I said, no, I'm pregnant. I get my whole nine months and I'm not having this baby. So you figured out how to make it last longer. (laughs) Tell you, I'm a determined woman. Anyways, (laughs) he braved it out. He was really sweet. Someone asked me, well, do you want to know? the sex of your baby, or if you could pick, what would you pick? And I said, well, I would pick a girl because I would want my little girl to have a sister. And I said, but if I did, then I might miss what God has. And I might miss the best musician ever. Well, today, my son is a record producer in Nashville, and he writes some of the most beautiful music you ever heard. Mm. You know, Peace Be Still by Lauren Daigle? Yes. My son wrote the music for that. Oh my goodness. He's an amazing man. He's a, he might not be the best musician in the world, but his mother thinks so. (laughs) But because that 
adoption went so well. And then we got pregnant with Max three or four years later, we had a family member that needed to be adopted. We adopted her. And then two years after that, we adopted a little girl after a mission trip from the Amazon jungle. And that was hard. So we had to be brave through our parenting, but it did not break us down. And we leaned on each other and God grew me in it. Yeah. You, well, you can't have five children and not be in school your own self the whole time that you're raising them, right? Because I'm still you- learning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, I'm a, a mom of adult children. I'm a grandmother and I'm also a great grandmother. You know, you can testify to this too, because I'm sure your children are grown now as well. But parenting just continues to go on and it changes. It looks different, but they still need wisdom. We still need to work out a relationship together and learning how to parent adult children. And then the same thing that you learned about your relationship with Warren, like I can't control them. I can't treat them like a little boy. I can't manipulate. We have to learn that again with our adult children. If we didn't get it the first time with our spouse, we're going to get it again because we still want to tell our kids how to live. Guess what? They're going to live their own lives. Yeah, they are. They really, really are. And you may not like some of it. Probably won't. There's a lot of things that it was be like, wait, no, but. I heard a really good phrase. It was when you're raising adult children, keep the welcome mat open and the welcome mat out and your mouth shut. Right. <laughs> that'll preach that's exactly right it'll preach. anything will preach <laughs> yeah that's right so you know you learn those skills and then you're able to apply them again and some more you said that when I asked you how you were processing your difficulties you said well I'd like to tell you that I read the scriptures and I was praying and I had faith but I was mad at God so it's okay to be mad at God well if it's not I'm in trouble oh, yeah right And God can handle that. I didn't grow up in the church. No one told me that you're, I mean, I had a good little cussing thing going on. I have a book of cuss that every, I always tell my kids, you keep it up. I'm going to pull out my book of cuss from when I was in high school. (laughs) You have a cuss jar. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was a book and it had all the words in it. (laughs) I get what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Because I gave that up early. (laughs) <laughs> I had to, when my son said, mommy, please don't cuss him in front of my friends. I'm like, oh my God, oh. no, but yeah, that's the truth. As we go through and we start seeing that I wasn't afraid of God and I never thought that I wasn't worthy of his love. And I don't know how I received that blessing so well, because I certainly didn't feel with that with my own father or my own family or the people around me, you know? I felt unworthy. I felt like everybody was mad at me. I felt like I just wasn't dancing fast enough, you know? Yes. But to fall in love with God and his word really taught me, like it became my religion because I didn't know a religion to like make it happen. And I laughed because I would watch TV preachers. I had no church. I had no Sunday school. (laughs) I only had the, the people on TV. And I would get my Bible out and I would read and then I found cassette tapes and I just got real hungry for God's word. So I still can be angry at God, Mm -hmm. but he is big enough and he is strong enough. And he loves me enough to know that the passion that he put inside of me can sometimes go a little wonky in the other direction. (laughs) And that's okay. I think that's so true. 
that God can handle our emotions. He gave them to us. And that's a real relationship. You've got a real relationship, whether you learned it on TV or you learned it in the church, you have a relationship with the person of God. And that's a beautiful thing. And I agree. You you also mentioned that you said, I submitted to the will of God at some point in this interview, you mentioned that. And I think that such freedom, we can struggle, we can cling to things. I We do have a place of standing in faith and believing for things, but we also have to come into a peace where we surrender and submit to God and say, yes, God, I'll just give you my best yes right now. And I trust and believe that you're going to give me whatever it is that I need to walk this out, to let this go, to stand in faith, to turn around, to go the other direction, whatever it is, God, you're calling me to give this thing up, whatever. And that's a beautiful place to be. It's usually preceded by some kind of wrestle. If you're listening to this episode with Mona Corwin and myself today, then you might find that you're in a place of wrestle with God. You don't like the decisions that are happening in your life. You don't like the circumstances that are surrounding you. You have experienced great disappointment. You're wondering what's next in your life. And maybe your marriage is not what you had dreamt it would be. I just want to have Mona give you some encouragement and some hope today because there is hope, isn't there? Oh my gosh, hope is it. Hope is it if you're hoping, if you're not deciding what the hope is. I'm hoping for this. You can say, I'm hoping that my marriage will get restored, but you can't say, I'm hoping and be so specific. That's not really hope. That's you trying to figure it out, Mm. which you have to do some figuring out. So it's kind of a balancing thing. Faith is really the thing. Faith is where you can put your hope. So when you have hope for something, even if it is, I hope we get to go to Hawaii, Mm -hmm. you can place that in a faithful God because faith is forward. Faith is believing that what's to come and trusting the one that brings things. And that's the surrender. So hoping is like, I hope this, I hope this, but faith, you're taking all your hopes and you're putting it, surrendering it and saying, I trust that you will work it out. Now I'm going to try some things and see what happens. And I'm trusting and I have faith that you are going to show me and continue for my hope to continue to grow. And when things are hard, I always knew that God would figure it out because I knew he loved me and I knew I was worthy of his love. And I think Finding my identity in who I was as a child of God, a woman of God, was absolutely essential. And it wasn't that hard once somebody kind of showed me and asked me questions, because there's things that I didn't really know that were true, that were in God's word. And when I found those out, I'm like, oh, so I can trust him. Oh, I am worthy. Even if I sin, even if I do these wrong things, even if the book of cuts sits on the counter for a few days, I'm still worthy of him. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Another thing is, I think the enemy of our soul really wants us to not pray. And I know that's always the answer for everything. It's always the answer for me. That's the answer I wanted to give you when you asked me. Like hope is good, but prayer is better. 
because it is yes. <laughs> because prayer is better, but you can put your hopes in your prayers and mm -hmm. give them to a faithful God. Does that make sense? Kind of yes. all thing. But when I think that every prayer that you pray, it goes out. It's for the future. Even if I was praying right now that the technology will work on our call, that's future. I could pray I need healing from the abuse of my father in my past, but I'm talking about the past, but I'm still praying future. So moms, every single prayer that you pray is going forward. Yes, It's going forward. It is your legacy and God hears it. And even if you're kind of controlling and manipulating in your prayer, he don't care, right? He's going to do what he wants to do anyway. And you'll learn, you'll learn how to pray. You'll learn how to pray more using his words to remind him that's a great way to start mm -hmm. like you said you would give me the desires of my heart this is a desire of my heart if this isn't it you need to let me know some other way because mm -hmm. i heard that you talk to those that knock at the door i'm knocking yes is this desire me or is this desire you make it known to me make it known all of that is out isn't that awesome praying mm -hmm. is always forward so the life that i'm living right now and that you have Dawn. And that you, a listener, have. Could it be that there was a woman that was praying for the generations to come? Mm -hmm. That was praying for your life and your health. That was praying for your children. How cool is that? How cool Don't is you that? Be that woman. Mm -hmm. I want to be that woman. Yes. Right. That's so inspirational. And I think about your prayer group, how you started. Apparently you did have snacks and drinks as well. Yeah, and the kids were running around too. We were breaking all kinds of rules. <laughs> but all those prayers that went up before the Lord are still in operation for those kids today. It and is such a reality. Like it yes. is reality. Like I know that this is a table. I know that that's a computer. Prayer is that real. We've got to get a hold of it as women because we are tangible. so and they're getting us all distracted, getting us all distracted. And you know, this, I've caught myself down scrolling and wondering what in the world I just did the amount of time that I wasted. Now, sometimes I go, cause I just want to look at stuff and you know, you know what I call um, Instagram, what you it call Instagram. Instagram's like the good housekeeping of the years past. It like all of the girls, girls magazines. We don't have sure. magazines. Anymore. Sure. We got right. nothing to look at, right? Yes. So this is what this is. So that's how I explained to my husband. But there was an end to those magazines. And at some point there has to be an end to scrolling. Otherwise it could be. No, that's eternal. a problem. You can't get to the last page. <laughs> the eternal magazine. <laughs> oh my. Oh. You can do this, mamas. You just get a hold of God. Trust him, lean on him, believe you're worthy of his love and his direction and live the great adventure that he has for you because he does. It's there. Great words and a great way to kind of end this segment is to live the adventure that God has for you. And if you're not aware of the fact that God has an adventure for you, I invite you to dream again with God. I invite you to get out of the place of sadness, despair, discouragement, and just for a moment, allow yourself to imagine what if, what if 
there is a God who has a plan for my life, who does love me. What if I am truly created in his image and I'm flawless and perfect and holy because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? What if there are seeds of greatness inside of me? I just want to tell you, if you can grab onto that, you will be grabbing onto truth, my dear brave-hearted woman and sister. So take that today. Believe that today. I'm going to even invite you to get a journal, get along with God, open that journal up and pray and journal around a question. God, what do you have in store for me? And watch what God will speak to your heart. He will not fail you. Mona, where can people find you? I would be on Instagram under Mona underscore Corwin and also moms like us dot or underscore and then moms like us Academy on Facebook and the, our YouTube channel is where you can find the TV show and uh, liftable TV and the podcast on iTunes moms like us do things like this. All the usual suspects with all the usual content that you have. And we will make sure that all of that is in the show notes for you who are listening and also for you who are on our YouTube channel. Thank you so much. I hope you'll take time to like us. If this has been helpful, please share it with others that you know need to hear this, write a review that lets people know that you believe in Christian motivational speaking and podcasting and faith building messages. All right, everybody, I'm going to leave you like I always do. This is Don Damon telling you and reminding you it's time for you to find your brave and live your vision. Thanks for hanging out with me today and becoming brave. If this has helped you, be sure to share it with someone and subscribe so you never have to miss another episode. For more about me, my books, my coaching, or online courses, visit DawnDamon.com. And as always, be brave and live your vision.